Welcome to the Golf Fitness Bomb Squad podcast with Chris Finn, a production of P4S Golf. Welcome to the Golf Fitness Bomb Squad. I'm your host, Chris Finn, and I am super excited today to chat with you about what we have learned in the last, I guess it's been two, three months of working with the fastest man in the world, uh, along with pretty much all the other fastest people in the world. Um, you know, at P4S Golf, we've gotten the opportunity um, to work with many of the world long drive uh, golfers out there, both on the women's side, the men's side, uh, the senior side. Um, most of you listening probably know the name Kyle Berkshire. Um, and one of the coolest things about getting to work with Kyle is, um, you know, basically the research and the assessments and everything that we have done with the quote unquote average golfer, all of that applies to the fastest man in the world and all the fastest competitors in the world. And I think that's in a way kind of weird to think about for a lot of people. <laughs> it's not, that's not where the normal thought goes. People think of, Oh, somebody, you know, Kyle can swing, you know, in the 160 mile an hour range, you know, in the 160s <laughs> with ball speeds. He just set the world uh, ball speed record over, you know, 241. When people think of that and they think, well, that's, that's a different level. That's just, you know, he needs different things than I need. And I think one of the wildest things for, for me, for my team, uh, in getting to work with him is he, uh, he injured himself this past summer, um, and getting him back to playing, uh, and becoming really one of the first guys at the top of the world long drive sport who got hurt. Normally every single other person prior to Kyle who's gotten hurt has fallen off the cliff and never won again. Like they've just kind of fallen off. And I think that was the, that was the sentiment, you know, down in Atlanta at the world championships was, uh, he's done. He's he had the WD, um, you know, earlier this year, there's no way he's coming back. He hasn't won it all this year. Um, he'd been battling injury all year and he goes down to Atlanta and he wins the world championship, his third one. Uh, he's, he's, there's only, uh, two other, uh, competitors in the history of the sport that have three or more. Um, and so it really was really cool as he came in for those of you who don't know what happened. He, he, he got hurt, uh, in the summer. Uh, it was kind of cool. <laughs> I was at home. Uh, actually, I think I was making dinner with my kids and, uh, my phone's ringing. My wife hands me the phone. She says, uh, you know, you got a phone call. Answer it's, it's, it's Kyle. He says, he says, Hey, I just had a WD, you know, first time ever in my career, I need help. So he comes down, uh, we get him down here. He, he stays down here in Raleigh for, you know, during the week, we're rehabbing him. you know, multiple hours a day. One of the coolest guys you'll ever meet. Um, you know, we'll, we'll obviously have him on the podcast here, here shortly. But I think the cool thing was that when he first came in, we took him literally through the same assessment that we take through everybody. We looked at all of his rotary centers. They were all terrible. <laughs> we looked at um, all of you know, his, his strength numbers, his, you know, his power numbers, whatnot. And it was amazing that the same process that we go through with a 65-year-old who comes in here with a back injury, that same process literally got a world champion back back and competing and winning a world championship within 12 weeks. And during that 12 weeks, not only did he win the world championship, but he also set the, uh, the, the ball speed record, uh, ever recorded. <laughs> and so not only did, was Kyle able to come back, but he was able to come back better than he ever had. And so I think the the key takeaways here that, that I took from this and that my, you know, our team took was number one, the rotary centers, there are four rotary centers that, you know, if you've listened to the podcast before, 
when we're talking about diffusing bombs and preventing injury down the future, um, you know, most people listening, you are likely a ticking time bomb, <laughs> meaning your body, you don't pass the rotational uh, requirements in your shoulder external rotation, your hip internal rotation, your trunk rotation, and your neck, and you're swinging faster than your body can handle from a strength perspective, the likelihood of injury is incredibly high, right? And so these rules apply if you're 75 swinging 85 miles an hour, or if you are, you know, 25 swinging 160 miles an hour. The rules of this, this is, this is a truth that applies to every golfer out there, no matter how fast you're swinging, it's just all relative. And I think that's the crazy thing to me is literally the same exact process of going through, all right, Kyle's shoulders aren't moving. His hips aren't moving. Actually, his hips were moving pretty good, but his shoulders weren't moving. Uh, his trunk wasn't moving well, right? We were able to identify where, where is he not moving well? And if he hadn't, you know, and when we actually looked at his injury, where he was hurt, actually had nothing to do with where the actual problem was. It was actually on the opposite side of his body and a totally different body part. <laughs> it was right. And this, those are actually very common things that we find in the regular golfer who comes in with a back injury. It's usually never the back. That's the problem. It's usually the hip or the shoulder and the back is just trying to compensate. The same was true with Kyle. And then after we rehabbed him initially, so he got back to competing uh, in Tennessee and then he went out and, you know, set the world ball speed record. You know, he's adding a ton of right side men trying to hit up on this ball, eight, nine plus degrees. And so that's putting more and more stress on his oblique on the trail side, which is the area that he had hurt. And so he starts to reflare it up. And so it's starting to look at it and, and understanding just as we would in, in any other golfer that technique 100% will influence the requirements that the body is going to try to put out. And, you know, at this point, we're only eight weeks, you know, from him not being able to swing a golf club. So now he's trying to set the world golf speed record that's incredibly fast to get there. And we are having to basically help him modify. And, you know, he's doing it with basically his body's only 70, 80 percent of where it needs to be or where it can be, <laughs> where it should be. But it's the season. So, you know, as with any professional sport, you're kind of in duct tape mode, just trying to get the, the athlete through the through the end of the year. Just as the same thing that we do with amateurs when they're getting to September, October, you have your member guests or your club championships or whatever it may be, you've been playing all year. It was just, it's just so cool that, you know, who, if you're listening, whatever level you are at. So if you are a, just a, you know, a junior golfer trying to play competitively, if you're an amateur who plays competitively, maybe you're just a club golfer who just plays kind of on the weekends with your buddies and maybe you'll play in the club championship or the member member or the member guest the same journey that you go through through a season, the same requirements that is required out of you and your body. We always talk about the home assessment and, and being and having to make sure that you pass those four rotary centers. Those same truths apply to the golfers who swing the, who swing literally, you know, double your speed in some cases, 106, 150, 160 miles an hour. Right. You know, those, those golfers require the same thing. Now, like I said in the beginning, you know, of this, you know, of, of this pod is basically there are, there is a continuum, there is a spectrum, right? So Kyle swinging 163 miles an hour, which is when he, he hit his last swing in Tennessee, literally like four weeks after not being able to swing a golf club, he's swinging faster than he ever has. I mean, that's, he, in order to swing that fast requires more mobility in his hips, more mobility in his shoulders, more mobility in his spine than, you know, let's say John, who is, you know, 70 years old and swinging 90 miles an hour, right? You still need, there's a, there's a requisite requirement of the mobility that is required in those areas. But if you're only swinging 90 miles an hour versus 160, you actually don't need as much to be successful and stay injury free. 
I think that's the important piece that I want to kind of drive home in this episode is for those of you who are out there who don't pass the home assessment, which more than nine out of 10 of you listening right now are not passing. So it's more than likely you are not, you don't pass right now. The, I guess the upside of this is that the requirement that you need to get to is actually probably not as high as you think in order to play pain-free golf. And that's where we see people being able to get to those levels where they can rotate enough to get to the points that they need to get to in, you know, plus four weeks. I mean, Kyle was back competing at the world, you know, in world long drive championships within four weeks of not being able to move. Literally he couldn't swing a club or, you know, without it just seizing up and he was like doubled over in pain. Right. And four weeks later, just by getting the rotary centers good, by getting his tissue good, by helping improve some of the motor pattern stuff, he was able to go and compete at the highest of high levels. Actually have one of his better finishes of the year, other than, you know, obviously he just won the world championship. So hard to beat that one. But the important thing is that, you know, the level that he needs to get to and that all long drive or, you know, if you're swinging 120 or 130 miles an hour, you have to be, have your body in better physical condition than the golfer who's swinging 90 miles an hour. Right. And that, and that goes down, you know, 130 needs to be better than 120, 120 needs to be better than 110, 110 better than 100, 100 better than 90, 90 better than 80, right? So wherever your club head speed is at, if you are the long, one of the longer people in your group, you need to be thinking, man, is my body good enough for this, right? If you have currently have pain, you need to think about, I likely probably one of those nine out of 10 that don't pass one of these rotary centers. If I can get those rotary centers fixed, well, my pain probably goes away, right? And so it's really for a world long drive champion and for a club golfer, a junior golfer, the journey is really pretty much the same. It's just a matter of a different magnitude that the journey needs to get to. So I think that was one of the coolest lessons that I learned from helping Kyle get back and winning the world championship as our team worked with him was he really wasn't needing to do anything very different than any of the other golfers that we helped, the other 10,000 plus golfers, right? He's in here doing rehab, doing exercises and trying to accomplish physical tasks that are very similar to, you know, the amateur standing right next to him in the gym is doing. And so I think I want that to be kind of a take home in the, in the short pod today is there is a lot that you can take away from the highest of high level, from the PGA tour, from the LPGA tour, from the world long drive that is applicable to you. Um, but it is all relative to what your body is able to do and what you're trying to do on the golf course obviously will dictate the level of which your body needs to be at. So hopefully you find that interesting. You know, we'll, we'll, whenever we have Kyle on shortly in, in the next couple episodes, we will definitely, um, dive deep into the rehab and, and kind of the journey with him. But I did want to share that kind of cool lesson of, that in working with a world long drive champion, really the process is no different than working with the everyday amateur golfer. Um, the only thing that is different is the level of magnitude that you're that you're working towards, um, and obviously the, the speed that he swings is a little different than the average bear. But uh, but hopefully that that's that's kind of insightful. Hopefully you guys got something out of this. Obviously the home assessment in terms of the the rotary centers is is a great place for everybody to start. And make sure you can actually rotate. Uh, when Kyle's on, we'll talk more about the strength elements and the movements and the nervous system side of things. We start getting a little more technical, but the the base requirement of having to be able to rotate in your hips and your shoulders and your, in your spine uh, and in your neck do not change. Right. And just you know, to wrap, just to make sure everybody's clear on what that rotation is. If you think of your hips, to be able to rotate into your trail hip and your backswing and into your lead hip on your follow through, through impact, you know, keeping your feet planted, that is internal rotation in both of the hips. You cross your ankle on your knee, like you're sitting in a chair, 
that's external rotation. I've not met a single golfer who's limited there. Everybody's limited in internal rotation, right? The second is the shoulder, right? That's the second most important of the four mobility centers. Um, Kyle actually had great hips, uh, phenomenally flexible. We were moving great. I thought he was getting by. We go to his shoulders. Your shoulder, think of your trail arm, needs to kind of rotate back, almost like you're throwing a baseball or a football. That forearm needs to get behind the, sh- the spine, kind of get behind the shoulder without arching your back. Uh, Kyle was terrible there, <laughs> and that's why he was using other areas and, and then ultimately ended up getting injured. But um, that shoulder being able to you know get back, particularly on the trail side, to drop it in the slot and create the lag that you want to create is, is incredibly important there. Your trunk or your thoracic spine, you know, if you have your arms crossed on your shoulders, being able to rotate uh, you know, into your backswing to your trail side and into your follow-through, and then obviously your neck, being able to, as you rotate your shoulders around and into your backswing, keeping your head so that your eyes can like actually see the golf ball. <laughs> and then as your shoulders come through, through impact, keeping your, your eyes on the ball through impact. So those are the four big ones um, that, that, are, that we found were incredibly important for Kyle. They're incredibly important for the other 10,000 plus golfers that we've helped, uh, which makes me 100% confident they're important for you listening. <laughs> so, um, so hopefully you guys picked something up out of this. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully we diffused a few myths that, uh, that those long drive guys or PGA Tour players or LPGA Tour players are, are like non-human. Uh, they obviously are incredibly genetically gifted, skilled at the sport. But when it comes to the physical requirements, there are literally zero difference between them and the average golfer, a.k.a. you listening. So uh, hopefully you found that helpful. And we'll look forward to seeing you and, uh, you know, seeing you hopefully soon. If you come around the Raleigh area, definitely stop by. Um, say hello you know, over here at PPRS Golf. Uh, otherwise, uh, we'll look forward to uh, bringing some more uh, exciting content and diffusing some more myths, diffusing some more uh, ticking time bombs out there in the next episode.